This podcast represents my opinion and the opinion of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I am not establishing a patient-physician relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions you may have. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Not Your Doc podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa, and we're here today with Seth, our producer, and Dr. Tadros, of course. I'm waving. Dr. Tadros, you have a special guest in store for us. For Please all of take us. it away. Yeah. Our, uh, I'm sitting uh, just to my left is uh, Dr. Joseph Ojal. Uh, uh, Dr. Ojal is actually a friend of mine, but more importantly, which doesn't qualify him for anything if he were just a friend of mine, more <laughs> importantly, he's uh, born and bred St. Louis. He's a founder and CEO and medical director of the Clayton Sleep Institute here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They're actually moving, he was just telling me. Um, he's a clinical professor of internal medicine at St. Louis University School of Medicine, where we both went to school uh, for uh, med school. He's a board certified in pulmonary medicine, critical care, and sleep. Um, and that's why we're here today, actually, for the last piece. We can pick his brain for anything he tells us, but uh, we are especially interested in sleep today uh, because of his broad interest in clinical medicine and in, in terms of patient care and in, in terms of also clinical research. Uh, he brings a lot to the table uh, here. We could talk to a lot of people about sleep, but Joe's probably one of the best in St. Louis and probably one of the best in the country because he sleeps. Uh, he sleeps. He speaks locally. <laughs> yeah. uh, he speaks nationally, and he speaks internationally. Nationally, he's a, a past president. I think you finished your presidency in 2018. Yes, that's great. Uh, for the uh, for the NSF, the National Sleep Foundation, and you also sit on the, their board still. No, I'm no. done now. Oh, you're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, they've released you. Yeah, they they, they expel <laughs> you after so many years. Oh, okay, there's there's a, there's a term limit. But thank you, Joe, for joining us. I I really appreciate it. I think we I've been talking you up to our my team, our team here, but also I think our our, our listeners are going to really really have a. a, a great insight about a lot of stuff that's very common uh, in our lives, which is sleep, it takes up a, at least a third of our life. In my case, probably half my life because I sleep in a lot. Um, <laughs> Joe, I'm going to start off. Is that all right? That'd be great. Uh, uh, Joe, uh, sleep seems to be highly conserved uh, throughout evolution. Every creature seems to need sleep or at least has a change in activity or metabolism on a daily schedule, uh, a daily routine called a circadian rhythm, I believe. Um, Joe, this is a three-parter. Oh, this is getting complicated, <laughs> right? <laughs> Take notes. Uh, what is sleep, and uh, what are the different ways that is studied in humans, and uh, why is sleep so necessary for the preservation of life? So, first of all, thanks for that overly generous introduction. Uh, you are a, my friend, and I'm proud of that. And uh, thankful you, for you've that. Sa- you've saved my tail more than a handful <laughs> of times it's, taking it's, care of patients. It's mutual. So, there. Uh, sleep's really a fascinating. I feel very fortunate to have stumbled into this field early in my training Mm -hmm. and at St. Louis University we had one of the early uh, pioneers in sleep medicine so I I really do feel fortunate to be on the early wave uh, of uh, this as a specialty. Uh, So sleep from a a biological perspective interesting because every species we know needs some sleep. Mm -hmm. How different animals and species sleep is fascinating. Mm -hmm. For instance you know, some animals can sleep half their brain at a time, like birds when they fly. Yes. Uh, certain marine animals, for instance, the ones we know most commonly are like porpoises, right? Mm-hmm. They can sleep one half of their brain at a time because why? They need to breathe and surface yeah. and all those mm-hmm. sorts of Protect things. Protect so, themselves. Yeah, yeah. Down to the cellular level, there's evidence that 
um, at very uh, early stages of life development, sleep is a requirement. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and I wouldn't hold myself out and as any sort of expert in you know, biological systems and other creatures, but it is a really interesting thing to look at. As humans, sleep has been a valuable uh, thing for us going back quite a ways in our development. And one of the things that has come up recently, which is interesting, is if you look back before electricity a few hundred years ago, and now we teach patients this, believe it or not, mm-hmm. um, is about first and second sleep. It's talked about in some, for instance, in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when they didn't have lights, people would, for whatever reason, they would go to bed rather early, mm-hmm. get up. Some people even describe getting up and having a light family meal in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Mm-hmm. They'd have a little interaction and they'd go back to bed and have their second sleep. It's not totally clear what all that was about. The records are somewhat sketchy, but it is well delineated. So now we're using, that's called polyphasic sleep. So what we mostly do now is monophasic sleep Mm -hmm. because we can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So do you think the the polyphasic was just a, a, a necessity born out of the lack of light? For longer periods of time well, in it, colder it, climates, or okay, all right. it, no, no, it's a great question. Yeah. And we don't know the answer okay. fully to it, but yeah. it's the right question. Um, but what's interesting is that it tells us as 21st century people that what we do, just because we tend to sleep all at one time at night now, that isn't the only normal way to sleep. Got mm-hmm. it. There are some people, for instance, as you have patients who, for instance, may work a night shift mm-hmm. and maybe. They they seek out help because they sleep for four hours, get up, right. have to do life, right. and then they have to get some extra sleep. Right. Because what you need, what we know you need, is X amount of hours sleep for twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. It's in our genetics. Most people about seven and a half, seven and hours and forty minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can get that. You don't have to get it all at one time. Oh. And sometimes patients need some guidance and permission yeah. to do that. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of a fun thing, talking about evolutionary things. It's not that common of an issue. Um, it's been studied in very specific things, solo sailors in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And the doctor who's the pioneer in that, uh, Claudio Stampi, has been to St. Louis for several times. Cool. And they, they teach them because they're by themselves. Right. They can sleep for 20 minutes at a time when they're in the open ocean. That's mm-hmm. the safe that's wow. how far you can see. Yeah. But when they get down to the Arctic, they can only sleep for minutes or seconds wow. because there's icebergs, right. Yeah. right? So if you take that, there's no real valuable use of that skill. Right. The only thing is with maybe first responders. So yeah. um, our fellow citizens in this world, the Turkish folks have a huge earthquake and disaster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. and they're in Syria. They only have so many hours to save people, right? So that's an element, that's a place where polyphasic sleep could be used as first responders work 8, 10, 12 hours, get an hour sleep, get up and work True. because they can do that for three or four days or people are going to die, right? Yeah. right? So these are the thoughts where you might um, use various sleeping techniques in modern day. Very cool. What, what, a, what an interesting extrapolation to, to, to hunting people uh, out, of, out, of, out, of, uh, out of earthquakes and, uh, and other disasters. That's an interesting thought because it is a limited number of people that you can have uh, the spot to, to fly people in and everything else to help out. Is, it takes days and stuff. Yeah. And you only have, those yeah. folks can right. only survive so many days right. in the rubble. Sure, right. of course. Right? There's a clock right. on it. Definitely. And as you well know, they had a second earthquake, which means even less people right. are there to help them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. You, now you can't get anybody in. Right. How sustainable is polyphasic sleep? Like if you're if you're getting enough hours, 
cumulatively, can you get enough REM cycles and quality sleep so the, in order the, to the, live like that for a long period of time? So it's certainly not recommended. Okay. But only because we don't do it. Um, there has not been any data to reveal that it's damaging when it's been studied. Mm-hmm. But there haven't been, to my knowledge, any long-term studies saying, can you live a lifestyle like this yeah. permanently? I don't know that that work's ever been done. Um, the only work, adaptive work that's been looked at is, for instance, could you do it in the military? Sure. You know, for soldiers in the field, mm-hmm. that yeah. sort of mm-hmm. thing. And the conclusions are there's nothing damaging to doing it okay. for a period of time. Sure. But again, for a lifestyle, yeah. I think that would be, a, and Not I think it'd be a challenge to live like that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> now, early motherhood could yes, cause that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, through, I have a feeling some polyphasic <laughs> sleep is in my future. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not enough total hours. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, entrep- the problem is young entrepreneurs, you know, they'll, 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 they'll rest when they, when they die type of mentality, you know, go, go, go. And so that's an interesting concept we should pursue later for uh, talking about all these on- young entrepreneurs who have energy and want to get a lot of things done. And Elon Musk says, you know, if I work, you know, a few more hours than you, by the end of the year, I've worked so many hundreds of hours more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm successful and but anyway cool but I said you have you have uh, we're gonna alternate we're gonna okay we're gonna ping pong we're gonna we're gonna tennis racket this yeah, uh, back and forth absolutely so I mean you went ahead and alluded to this already obviously I'm expecting my first child in May in a few short weeks here so Yahoo. can you talk to me about how sleep affects expecting moms I don't know if that's a you know huge area that you've explored but why why is a gr- another growing human being inside me messing with my sleep so much? Is he stealing half of my sleep from me because we only have so much to go between the two of us? Like, what what's going on there? So, first of all, congratulations. Thank you very and much. It's a blessing, and, and it's a great thing for <laughs> it you, is. and it's it exciting. exciting. So, um, let's kind of break it down into a couple different areas. Mm-hmm. Um First of all, pregnant women are, are wonderful and beautiful, and you are both. And so when you and <laughs> so when you correct. start to look at pregnant ladies, um, there's the the ladies can have a couple issues. One, if snoring may have been an issue before mm-hmm. they were pregnant, you have increased blood flow to the sinuses uh, and the, the posterior pharynx with pregnancy. And so some ladies, when they get pregnant and as their pregnancy progresses, may develop. Heavy snoring or obstructive sleep, sleep apnea, apnea. Wow. which mm-hmm. there is data to indicate that that can be an impairment for the baby based on the scores when they're born, right? Mm-hmm. So they're APGARs. Yep. So that's one thing to think about um, when we talk about pregnant women. It's something that actually we have a bit of passion about because it it is a suggestion that it could be the cause risk for preeclampsia mm. and, of course, other Uh, maternal fetal complications and so when you think about it's a low risk but it's a high acuity if Mm some if there's a if there's a complication with a baby or a mother despite the devastation to these young people Mm -hmm. it's also always a big problem from the standpoint of resource utilization damage to their family and then the you know the horror of a a young woman or baby being injured um then so we have that issue Mm -hmm. the other issue is that um also women develop when they're pregnant a significant frequently restless leg syndrome, Mm -hmm. which can be quite disruptive to sleep. And you can't use most of the normal therapies. So you're you're left with some of the more common, but maybe less effective things like rubbing your legs and Mm -hmm. warm baths. I think you are going to see some introduction, potentially some other non-pharmacologic therapies uh, and 
we may be able to talk about that in a future discussion, cool. but they're quite interesting. And so that could be of benefit to uh, ladies that are pregnant in the future, depending on what the FDA says. Um, then you have the issues of just the discomfort mm-hmm. uh, and the issue of body position. So mm-hmm. as the pregnancy, especially you get to the level where you are now, mm-hmm. um, it's quite uncomfortable for, to sleep in certain body positions and in sometimes not even prescribed by your OB, right? right. You, you, they don't want you to sleep on your back, for instance, sure. at a certain point for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. All those um, will add to the difficulty of both sleep disruption and insomnia. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, you just get the difficulty sometimes, even though you want to go to sleep, you can't get to sleep, right. right? You develop symptoms of insomnia, or if you had insomnia before sleep, that can be an issue. And, and as you well know, most of the medications that we use for especially sleep, they're not evaluated significantly right. in pregnant women. Mm-hmm. So that's on the, the pre-birth side. Right. Um, and then things get really fun. Then, when the baby arrives. then let the fun begin, right? <laughs> so now you have to deal with both a baby and the mom. Right. Um, so the mother's recovering from her delivery and has the joy of having that baby. But the baby, especially these first few months, is quite uh, dependent on mom, right. a.k.a. needy, and waking <laughs> mother up for feeding Mm -hmm. one way or the other, Uh, frequently those first few weeks, hourly or every other hour. And so however those resources to get that feeding or feeding done, whether it's a team effort or whether mom's doing it, um, it is quite disruptive. And so there's just no way around the sleep deprivation. And so part of that uh, for, for most families or for physicians who are involved in those families is to try to encourage them to have resources to get a little bit more sleep, even if it's not optimal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, baby sleep and infant and children's sleep is a whole nother can of worms, mm-hmm. probably beyond our scope today, sure. except that I think there's a few interesting developments since mm-hmm. Dr. Tadros and I had our children, and I, a couple of those I would mention <laughs> learning from my colleagues. One, now they have the back-to-sleep program, right. right, which is mm-hmm. new since our children I, were little. I don't know anything about so, it. So they want children. And we used to put our children to bed on their tummies. Their yeah. Now it's back-sleeping. They, every every few changes, right. and then and, stomach side back, <laughs> stomach side right. back, and that's the that's the SIDS prevention mm-hmm. issue. Right. It's a fascinating issue. Yes. Now, again, no expert in it, but I can give you some references offline. Uh, was really interesting. Um, the other thing that happens now are the sleep sacks, mm-hmm. which are rather interesting because. Blankets were determined to be problematic. Right. Really? Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. So they again ha- a risk for suffocation. <laughs> really, all the just... blankets from grandma. <laughs> so now they have these little, and, and actually they're quite interesting. They're um, amazing. Yeah. Actually. So they they have little arm holes, and they're basically a zip up blanket around their bodies okay. with arm holes, uh-huh. right. and it's a, it serves several purposes. Yeah. One, the tactile. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we realize we need something tactile, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where. In the space station, as you know, mm-hmm. they even though they're weightless, mm-hmm. they have sleeping, basically sleeping bags that mm-hmm. they can zip into, so right. they have a tactile right. feeling. Right. So it gives the babies tactile touch. Right. It's a signal to them it's bedtime. It's yes. time to go right? sleep. Right? right. So you get right. them in their sleep sack. They know it's time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's a new development in the last ten years or so, mm-hmm. uh, and and those are probably the biggest. And then the awareness that young parents have. I, much more than certainly I did as a young parent, and I, I my friend here Chuck probably knew everything. But, no, I didn't um, know anything. But the 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 successful navigation of um, routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Young parents, in our experience, uh, mine and our families, my wife's, 
much more structured about bedtime, wake time, naps. Right. I mean, we kind of look at each other and our kids sort of went to bed around the same time, yeah. kind of got up at a certain right. time and they got their naps sort of at the same time. So we, in any case, I think all those elements, uh, childhood sleep performance is, are been much improved yeah. and they're, and there's more to it, of course, than that. Um, letting the children cry and get in the routine of putting themselves to sleep. Right. Very difficult things to execute on. Mm-hmm. Easy to talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting that, um, you know, you point out maybe with you and Dr. Tadros when your kids are coming up that, you know, some of these structural elements were like not a big part of the experience. Right. I feel like my generation is the pendulum sw- swung all the way to the opposite yep. side where we mm-hmm. want to be hyper regimented about everything. Right. And if we can't get those things, our kids sleep and eating patterns and cycles and stuff <laughs> on into a regimen that something must be wrong. There won't be. And so I'm taking, I'm taking comfort hearing you say that, you know, that, you know, the all different types of sleep patterns can work, that it's, you know, our bodies are built to adapt um, and be resilient through these natural stages of life. So yeah. I, I think that's great. That, that is always a problem that you feel like you're an A minus, uh, you, you want to be an A plus <laughs> yeah, parent yeah. at all times. You never want to be even an A minus. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm talking about this, uh, so what's what's sleep hygiene? I've I've talked about it to my patients and uh, and I know oral hygiene. My daughter's a pediatric dentist and hand hygiene. So what's uh, sleep hygiene and, uh, and um, wh- why is it so important and uh, why am I uh, always uh, bad about it myself as I woke up at 3.30 this morning? <laughs> and looked well, at your phone right away, right? My, oh. I looked at, my, looked, at, looked at my phone. So You're going to kill the sleep expert. <laughs> I have a chest pain over here. So um, sleep hygiene, I'm actually glad you asked the question yeah. because nobody ever asks. Oh, of course. Really? So, they should. Yeah, of because course they, they want to go right away to having a sleep disorder. Ah. And sleep hygiene is really probably the most basic and important thing to do. Mm. A couple things. One, our brains want routine. Yeah. They like routine. Um, two, um, if you start to think about it as a structure, or as performance, it's doing the things that our brain, we like to say, what I tell patients, what your grandma told you when you were little was right. Yes, okay? I tell people that all the time. <laughs> they knew. It, it is, it's true. Go to bed at the same time, yep. get up at the same time. The other thing that the old timers knew, we're old timers now, by the way, yeah, is, is uh, getting yeah. bright light in the morning. Probably yeah. one of the least appreciated things mm-hmm. that keeps your mm-hmm. body's internal clock, your circadian rhythm. And it also, t- so by 20 minutes, 30 minutes of bright light when you get up mm-hmm. at your fixed wake time, mm-hmm. that'll help keep you centered. It helps your brain know, believe it or not, when you should go to bed. Mm-hmm. So that bright That's light's important. important. It really is important. So it, and what we have now that we didn't have was not just the sun, but you can actually use mm-hmm. either light. Right. You know, they have light boxes. Oh, yeah. There's a, a interesting development. They have light visors. Mm-hmm. But there's also an interesting technology that just got released, and we're gonna we're bringing it to St. Louis. It's called AO, A-Y-O. And it, they have an app, and it's a circadian rhythm app. And then it has, um, it looks like just the rim of the top of your glasses. Oh. And you can, you mm. don't have to buy that, but if you do, the app will sync your light delivery with that. So you can wear it and it's structured such that it Sunshine. shouldn't disrupt you. Yeah, yeah. it's from above, is it from above? Or well, and, like and the so, type of light, okay. and it'll just give you right. enough light, right. Right. but it won't disrupt you if you're right. doing other things. Mm-hmm. So, you, but you can also use a computer desktop mm-hmm. or a laptop mm-hmm. to get um, the proper amount of lux of light, mm-hmm. measurement of light intensity. 
iPads don't really work. Phones mm -hmm. don't work for this task. But if you, it's a dark, like today, sure. rainy day, you could do your, we still, I use the term read your newspaper. Nobody gets newspapers, <laughs> but you could read your newspaper on your computer, laptop, or desktop and do that for 30 minutes. And that's mm -hmm. enough light mm -hmm. to keep your circadian rhythm centered. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. Frequently, that's intervention that's we actually uh, yeah we for sad uh, for seasonal affective disorder yes. i tell uh, tell people ten thousand lux 30 minutes in the morning just like you said yeah. specific uh, broad spectrum white light blah 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 that works. Just like, it works it's a big deal that yeah. was one of the first thing like non-pharmacological things that i tried yes. in treating with my own mental illness stuff um was getting a therapy yep. light and it it's they've shifted from it like a giant box that had right. fluorescent lights right. in it to something much smaller. It looks like a desk lamp right. now. It hits just the right angle. It's beautiful, nice diffuse light, mm -hmm. but it really helps. I yeah. agree. And these things are getting better, right? Yes. Let's just, um, the other things to think about are, of course, the things you already know. You should stop drinking caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, after we tell people sort of afternoon, yep. but some people, if they're sensitive to caffeine, yep. may have to stop sooner. Yep. Um, some sort of exercise during the day. Mm -hmm. um, Food, frequently asked question, low on sugars, a lighter snack at bedtime, more based on protein. Mm -hmm. um, that can be a factor. Mm -hmm. uh, the typical things of temperature. Yes. Go to bed at, you know, have the temperature for most people cooler, cooler. rather than warmer. Mm -hmm. uh, a blanket's helpful. Some now I wouldn't say this is part of sleep hygiene, but weighted blankets in adults now are very common. It's, for some it's a big deal for us We're dealing with a lot of people with anxiety issues yeah. and stuff. So, like that, that. It's so a big for deal. anxiety perspective, the mm -hmm. weighted blanket helps. Yes. Oh yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's yeah. not something I would see particularly. No, it's uh, you know, you I've, I've listened to some of your talks about tactile sensation for socks on the feet. So all these things actually matter. Uh, in yeah. Hat on the head at night, sleep the sleep cap or sleep mm -hmm. hat like the like. Uh, uh, Christmas time and stuff like that, but all those tactile things make a difference for select people, not everybody. A lot, it's the same idea as swaddling a baby, the sleep sack mm -hmm. that yeah. we're talking about, kind of that comfort mechanism. Mm -hmm. so those are the big. I'm trying to think if there's any other big ones. And then lastly, since it sounds like that may be an issue in the room, mm -hmm. um, when mm -hmm. uh, stopping electronics an hour or more before bedtime. Yeah. And if you get up during the night, some people do. As you know, every 90 minutes we come to awake. We, we wake about every 90 minutes for normal sleep. Mm -hmm. What's abnormal is if you can't go back to sleep. Sure. So what we tell folks is if you can't go back to sleep in mm -hmm. about five or 10 minutes, get out of bed, mm -hmm. keep the room dim. Don't under any circumstance get your phone out yeah. or computer. If you preferably, mm -hmm. we don't even want it in the room. Mm -hmm. Do something dull. You can meditate pray, read a book that's dull. Uh, we, when our pa and patients mm -hmm. teach us so much, as you well know, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a, there's a free website. I think it might be an app, but certainly a website called boring books for sleep, <laughs> which is somebody reading on, um, monotone, off, yeah, monotone. <laughs> yeah, but off copyright books from the 18 and 19th and they <laughs> old just, old they, English. yeah, they just read them to you and they're done it and they're not offensive. They just kind of read them and it works by the way. So it pours you back to sleep. It pours you back. So boring books for sleep and it's, it's free, you know, so, and then once you get sleepy and tired, get back in bed. Um, so it works both to prevent something from happening. And if you're doing this now, It'll help start over a period of a, several days to a week or more, extinguish that behavior. Mm. So you can't, once your brain gets turned on to waking up, especially right. to check emails, yeah. right. it only takes even one night. Yep. Right. That's right. I mean, we get people, I'm sure you had them, that well, get up to smoke during the night. That's right. And 
Nicot- nicotine's highly stimulating. Stimulant. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to get up because for my prostate, for my nocturnal, and then I'd, uh, I'd, I'd check my phone. And of course, before, if you just went to the bathroom, you can go back and go to bed. But now the phone and now, you know, there's something there all the time. So, yes. But now I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm not panicked like a lot of people, so, <laughs> which, is, which is its own advantage. Well, good. Well, I, I think that's an interesting segue. Um, and you and you were, Dr. Ojal, you were thinking, Dr. Tadros, you're even asking about this because a lot of times people will skip right away to, you know, insomnias and parasomnias and d- disorders. We actually love on this podcast to talk about all of the behavioral things mm-hmm. that matter in taking care of our health. So mm-hmm. that I'm glad we started with that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can you talk to us about um, different types of insomnias and parasomnias where people really are starting to develop some sort of sleeping disorder? Well, first, sure. first define it, just because not everybody knows what an insomnia is yeah, and a parasomnia, yes. because, you know. Yeah. So let's talk, it's great. So insomnia is defined as difficulty getting or staying asleep mm-hmm. with a daytime consequence. Okay. So okay. some people, they can have some challenges or some mm-hmm. nights they can't get to sleep, but they wake up and they're functioning fine yep. the next day. Yep. Or they just don't need as much sleep. As right. we know, about 1% of people, can they're fine genetically on six hours of sleep or, or less. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they're what we call short sleepers. Yep. They're just not short right. people. Um, so <laughs> that's, you know, but that's only 1%. So yeah. if you think of all the people who tell you they only need to have six hours sleep right. I yeah. will, i'm gonna gander <laughs> it's that it's over one percent right so, yeah 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 but if they have it if you don't have a daytime consequence so if you have a daytime consequence that's the definition and typically for more than three months mm-hmm. so once you go from there the most common things we look at for, certainly what's the most common issue which what you deal with frequently is stress and anxiety yes mm-hmm. it's the number one thing mm-hmm. if you look at the nih consensus conference from about 10 years ago mm-hmm. two-thirds of people had stress-related issues. Mm-hmm. So part of it is getting people to figure out some methodologies of how to deal with that. Yes. So our initial approach, um, when you, if that's the complaint, uh, is to begin to define what the issues are. So we have people, just like we have people who want to lose weight, do a food diary, have people mm-hmm. do a sleep diary. Mm-hmm. So they chart for us when they go to bed, when they get up, mm-hmm. how many awakenings they have. We have a very simple uh tool, a little piece of paper with, they fill in the blanks for about a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we look at that and we start to, to come up with an indiv- individualized plan for what might help change their behaviors. So I, I'll just share with you some of the more common things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What we do tell folks is this is a process. Mm-hmm. The process does require work. It's optional. We're still living in America. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this, right. Yeah. right? So we want to give people the ability to choose to do this. We want them to choose sleep as an option. And we tell them about, it may take three to six sessions to get there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, so what are some of the things that we come out initially in these sleep diaries, which are kind of interesting, I think, maybe for your listeners to, sure. to know. The, for, the biggest things oh, are what we revealing. alluded to on the sleep hygiene, widely varied bedtime and yep. wake time. A, but, and yeah, absolutely. so that is big really deal. a big thing. Yeah. And for a variety of reasons. Yeah. One, People, yeah, family. Yeah, they're family. They have little children or right. or, or elderly parents right. now that right. they're caring for. Right. Or, or they just don't want to go to bed at the yeah. same time, right? Right. right? So we have to find out from them, is this actually a problem for you? And right. are you willing to do something about it? Because it's optional, right? right. They right. don't have to do anything. Right. So one, that's the one of the bigger issues. Believe it or not, the second biggest issue We'll say one and one A is mm-hmm. electronics. So yeah. we've already talked about that. But two is people 
spending too much time in bed. Very oh. interesting. So yeah. what, what we like to share with patients is... So it becomes you know, a negative association almost, right? Well, okay. their sleep becomes inefficient, yeah. right? Okay. So what if you think about, especially in America, mm-hmm. we're a very um, outcome-driven mm-hmm. society, yeah. right? Yeah. Sure. So if you start to play a sport, how do you become better at the sport? Just do it practice. over and over again. Yeah, you practice, practice it, right? Focus, so focus sleep practice, is the yeah. one activity... That if you practice it, you get worse, right? Wow. So by laying in bed yeah. for long periods of time, your sleep becomes very inefficient. Mm-hmm. And so the the bed begins, the brain looks at the bed as the place they rest, yeah. not the place you sleep. sleep. So ironically, mm-hmm. what we do is mm-hmm. once we see what their sleep timing is like, we will narrow down their time in bed. There isn't an, actually an intervention, which is a little more than this, which is called sleep restriction, which we have to we mm. do under careful circumstances. Sure. But what I'm talking about, we can do very easily mm-hmm. with many people. So it's one of the two or three most common things we see, which are in effect unexpected by the patient mm-hmm. when they do these mm-hmm. sleep diaries. Yeah. Right. So stable wake time, bedtime, bright light in the morning, getting rid of electronics, and then this narrowing of the total sleep time, but still giving them enough time to be rested. Right. Sure. And what you do is you make the, you end up making their sleep, once they narrow their sleep time, their sleep becomes much more dense. Mm-hmm. Right. You should sleep about 9 to 9.2 minutes out of every 10. Mm. Okay. So when you see people that are lying around in bed that are in bed for 10 hours, but they're only sleeping 7, mm-hmm. Okay, you'll start to see that, and it only gets worse. Right. So they'll stay and they'll go to bed even earlier. Earlier, mm-hmm. right? So I we had an individual this week who's complaining they're going to bed at nine, and upset that they can't stay asleep till six. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, or seven. Yeah. And said, "Well, I could really go to bed at eight. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to do the opposite, and here's why. Now they may have another disorder called um, advanced sleep phase, and we'll talk about that sure. in a second. But so those are some of the more common things we do. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of, uh, still getting rid of stimulants such as caffeine, mm-hmm. nicotine, nicotine, right? Mm-hmm. They're big. Yep. Um, cigarettes is a sidebar, are really an issue for f- some folks with sleep. Mm-hmm. Nicotine is the only substance that gives you insomnia when you use it and when you withdraw from it. Yeah. yeah. So it, when people withdraw from cigarettes, one of the most common times they have recidivism, they re- start smoking, mm-hmm. is at night. Night, yep. right. Because they're having insomnia. So we want to be really sensitive uh, to that issue and try to give them some alternatives there. Um, okay, so that's I mean, that insomnia, insomnia piece. Insomnia, yep. How about Par- parasomnia? Parasomnia, I'm sure, is uh, several textbooks worth. But we'll just give you the cliff note for <laughs> Yeah. Right? Right. Of course, they don't use cliff notes anymore, yeah, right? well. <laughs> We're dating ourselves. Uh, so, Flash, flashcards yeah, is my, uh, uh, my version's flashcards. Cliff, anyway, Cliff yeah. must have been going away. Right. No, they're, uh, they're still there. They're still there. <laughs> so um, parasomnia. Now we have chat GPT. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. Spark notes. Yeah. That's yeah. spark. So um, parasomnia is what we call those things that go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're abnormal behaviors at night. There's there is a variety of them, but what most of them involve is that your weight, you're having a behavior asleep while you're asleep, Mm -hmm. that is abnormal. Mm -hmm. So what Mm -hmm. are those, what does that kind of vague description mean? Mm -hmm. Someone, the most common talked about things, right, are, well, we think things like sleepwalking Sleepwalking. and night terrors, but the most common disorder that we treat, interestingly, is when people start acting out their dreams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the most common of those is called REM behavior disorder. Mm -hmm. And that occurs typically Mm -hmm. sixth, seventh, and eighth decade, a little more common in men than women. Mm -hmm. And the classic... Uh, case now it's 
a little bit less because the World War II generation yeah. is about off the scene. Right. Mm. But it's a older gentleman who was in, right. quote, the war. Right. And they start thinking they're in a firefight and wow. swinging in their arms and maybe oh, yeah. hit their spouse. They do hit their spouse, yeah. And they don't mean to, no, no, right? No, no, no. They're it's sleep. a horrifying they're thing. Sleep. So yeah. it's easily treated. But these that, so that's the most common parasomnia. So any of those night nocturnal behaviors mm. or sleep-related behaviors when the patients are unaware, those are parasomnias. Wow. And I had a daughter that's, uh, my wife used to talk in her sleep whenever she was much younger than mm. before I met her. My daughter has it, so sleep talking and uh, yeah. And is it, are these accentuated by sleep medicines uh, sometimes, like ambience of the world and stuff like that? Yeah, or that's can, such an interesting that. question. So you, um, some of these behaviors are accentuated by stress, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, sleep deprivation, right. and sometimes by alcohol. Mm -hmm. Those are called, they're classically called priming uh, mm -hmm. substances that can happen. Um, the, uh, well, you're, you're yeah. said by, um, but your question wasn't Yeah, that. about ambient. Do oh, yeah, ambient. So the drugs. Yeah, yeah. So, the drugs um, make them worse? Yeah, some of the drugs can cause abnormal behaviors, right. especially when used in higher doses than prescribed. Okay. Uh, can do it in people that aren't even, right. don't even right. have that. Right, that's right, they don't so have So effectively what happens is that if the person, when they wake up, if the levels of the drug still, are elevated. Still high. So, you know, you, those drugs, of course, used carefully in the correct doses, you don't see these behaviors very often. Mm -hmm. But we always want to caution folks that this can happen because mm -hmm. you are taking a drug and drugs do have side effects. Well, that leads to my next question. Somehow we're, we're hitting a, a thousand here. Uh, we're batting a thousand. Uh, Joe, I've written uh, many prescriptions to get, help people get to sleep and stay asleep. I've, only, I've, uh, I've also helped on the other end. I've also written prescriptions to help people stay awake. Uh, so uh, uh, what, what, are, what are our, our brain's sleep and wake circuits? Um, and uh, and uh, why am I having uh, such a hard time with, uh, with getting it regulated for my patients? So we're learning more. It's really a very fascinating question, and it, it has to do with current uh, drug development. So even advertising that you're seeing today has mm -hmm. to do with different ways we're looking at the sleep-wake cycle mm -hmm. and also the sleep-wake wiring. So we used to sort of look at medicines to sedate you and then medicines to wake like you for you. some mm -hmm. people who had we call disorders of wakefulness. Right, yes. And so... Now we know that the circuits, there's circuits that help your brain sleep, but mm -hmm. also there's circuits that we can modulate, which are shutting off circuits that help you wake up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a different approach. Right. right. So we can improve the sleep uh, sleepiness circuits and we can shut down the wakefulness circuits. Exactly. To help you sleep. To help you sleep. Right. Now, what's really doubly interesting for, for me personally about your question is that we are agnostic about medicine. We're not mm. anti-medicine, okay. we're agnostic. Mm -hmm. And from, for most patients, medicine should be considered after mm -hmm. we do all the things that you both brilliantly brought up before that mm -hmm. question, mm -hmm. which is all the sleep behaviors, mm -hmm. making sure they're tight, yeah, doing all those things. And if stress people are, management. stress management, if you mm -hmm. do, if you start to incorporate this holistic approach, right. Most patients actually don't need medicine. Well, what you've said, which always catches me, is that, that sleep is not right at bedtime. It starts at the beginning of the day. Whenever you mm -hmm. wake up, the light, your stress, your caffeine, all this stuff, sleep at night starts 12, 14 hours before, so, which is a big deal. I don't think most doctors think that way, um, and I don't think most patients think that way, that's for sure. Well, yeah. and that's part of our... And you have, you, an have, you have an insomnia section within your... Yes, uh, we do. Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. it. We, I mean... We, 
we say, and I think it's probably still true, we have the only freestanding insomnia center in the country. Yeah. But one of our passions um, is to bring the best of sleep medicine to St. Louis. And Mm -hmm. part of that involves sort of this educational piece. Yes. And we know, I always tell people, we know when we're winning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To your very point, when people get up in the morning Mm -hmm. and they make, they'll tell us Mm -hmm. something that's very important, Mm -hmm. they'll go like, you know, I'm not worried about going to sleep now when I mm-hmm. get up in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gives you a window into oh, their yeah. level of anxiety right. that when they get up in the morning, they're already stressing over oh, no. that we, night. I've, yes. I've, I've been there before, and uh, you're already you're literally in tears as soon as you get up because yeah. you you want to be back in bed before you even leave bed. Sure. Yeah. They're literally tearing up because they're so exhausted. Yeah. And, and they're anxious then. And right. They're, it's just terrible. The rest, of the, days, the rest of the days could be atrocious for them. Yeah. And, and it, you know, one other adage about sleep, <clears> which is quite true and why relaxation can be very helpful mm-hmm. is that um, sleep is like sex for a man. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So when people are going to bed, if they're saying yeah, like, okay, right. I've got to put myself go. to, yes. right. done, yeah. you cannot do it. Right. So one technique besides regular relaxation, well, a technique that Dr. Mark Mielbox, our PhD, and mm-hmm. we've worked on with our folks is um, we call it a worry journal. <laughs> and so we have people, it, it's, it's sort of, it sounds silly, but it's so effective. Yeah, it'd be, it might be, I'd be writing on the back of a journal. <laughs> but down, you write down, it down. Down yeah. the spine. Yeah, right. and what's the theory, right? right sure. It's an old theory, as old oh, as the is. Bible. Yeah. And what is the theory? A burden shared is a burden given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, we, what we're instructing people is, we, we're not advocating whether they journal or not. Okay, mm-hmm. they can, it doesn't matter what they do with the, but the, my view, and this, this is a, anecdotal view not mm-hmm. necessarily a scientific view but the act of writing appears to be important Absolutely. so we don't we tell them we don't want you typing it on an ipad right, or a phone right. yeah. you have to get a piece Mechanics. of paper and you have to write it and it can just whatever your worries are yeah. or even a, a to-do list mm-hmm. for the next day sure. mm-hmm. just the act of writing it right. and then you can leave it now you're leaving your burdens to that paper mm-hmm. right it's it's amazing if you do the other things. This is an adjunct to right. all the other things right. we talked about. Right. But if you do those things, and the next day, if you want a journal, you can. Right. But otherwise, you can just burn it or right. throw it away. Joe, I just was texting one of my friends who's a, who's a licensed professional counselor, and I asked her. I said, "Blah blah blah. Why does it feel better to unload on somebody?" And she says, "Well, sometimes if I'm angry, I write it down, but I never send it." And just the exact same thing. And it's the mechanics of writing yeah. it, and you don't have to send it. You don't have to do anything with it. But it's exactly the same principle right. uh, for for therapeutic. For depression, anxiety, the same thing that you just described, exact exact same process. It'd be interesting to know from some of our neuro colleagues, right? right? Yeah, right. Is is it is there a neuron discharge? Is there I don't something know. that happens? Right. But there's, it's there's clearly effective. Yeah, there's there for for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm struck here by all of the overlaps that I'm hearing with treatment of mental health. Oh, yeah. when as as well as sleep. I mean, almost right. all of these. Are the same sorts of techniques that we're encouraging patients to pick up that I've had to pick up throughout my life. Um, And, you know, it it just kind of drives it home that some of these most um, entrenched medical issues that we deal with are Mm -hmm. so much about reframing our thinking, getting tools to help us manage Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the symptoms, the way that they bother us and weigh us down throughout Mm -hmm. life. Um, and it's great to hear that sleep can be included in, in that category, that it's something that can be managed by, you know, thinking about it well, mm-hmm. by discharging our stresses, by, you know, 
Well, I, I mean, they, they talk about the vital signs and pain being a vital sign, but I think sleep, I use sleep as a canary in coal mine for my bipolars, for, oh my, my, God, chronic, yeah. for yeah. my chronic pain. I mean, that's the stuff that leads sometimes for weeks to months before they come see me or their family says enough, we have right. we have enough of your depression. And it, But it shows up in their sleep-wake and their sleep-energy uh, uh, relationships, before, and then they come see people like us at, at the uh, at the Academy Well, to show how smart you are about that, no, and the, if you look at post-traumatic stress right, mm-hmm. right. and also um, the chronic brain injury. Yes, stuff the C- with, CBIs. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the NFL had famously, right. and of course it's out there, right? Mm-hmm. But most of those folks, their first symptoms were insomnia. Right, yeah. yeah. And it, so that, it is in a sense that canary in the coal mine, right? right? So right. Uh, I think it's smart to look at. What we're going towards in mental health is finding a way not to have ask patients how depressed in the scale and try to semi-quantify, to look at people's whether they're EEGs, their sleep-wake cycles, or fMRIs, and we're looking for ways to try to find how to d- diagnose people without having to, just like looking at blood pressure. I don't have sure. to ask you about your blood pressure, cholesterol. So this is interesting stuff whenever we can look at it from sleep. And I but, think one last thing, one of the, I think to your point, we're really fortunate in St. Louis to have some very fine psychiatrists mm-hmm. and yep. mental mm-hmm. health professionals. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's important to us as an organization is to collaborate Make sure yes. they know we yeah. want to collaborate right. with them. Yes. Call, we, the patients and the doctors are often shocked that we call them. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, look, Good. we need to make sure yeah. we're in line. The other thing is, m- for most patients, I think it's best for their psychiatrist to write all their drugs. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, just mm-hmm. a, it's just actually yes. a tactical issue. Right. Yeah. When is. one person, psychiatrists by and large, are highly trained in pharmacology. Yes, absolutely. And again, I think we're very fortunate in, in town to have too. some very good people. Mm-hmm. And so... Let's coordinate with them, mm-hmm. but keep one person in charge, yep. work together with making the patients Always. better. I think that collaborative approach yeah. is very helpful. Yeah, as a primary care physician, only one guy or gal to take care of your pain medicine, your mental health medicine, sometimes, oftentimes the same person. Yeah. Big, big deal in terms of absolutely uh, about covering, making sure you don't mess with the patient in un- un- unintended ways. Yeah, Speaking about medicines... Uh, Joe, every time that I wrote for sleep medicine, I, I let out a deep groan inside. Just, I mean, it was just, it just killed me uh, because if the medicine worked, the patient wanted to stay on it ad infinitum <laughs> forever. And if it didn't work, I'd be hearing about it in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was stuck no matter, I was, I knew what was coming uh, one way or the other. I was not going to be happy. And uh, so, uh, uh, so what is non-restorative sleep and uh, what was I doing wrong? And why is it uh, that I needed to talk to people more about physical exercise, mm-hmm. sleep hygiene, Caffeine and behavioral and, and behavioral modification, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. So let's let's just first of all, you weren't doing anything wrong <laughs> as, as per usual. Uh, the one thing about sleep, if they have these disruptive, if people have chronic pain, right. if they have psychiatric disease that's um, flaring, right? Um, we the medicines not medicines not going to overcome the pain, so. Mm. Getting, that under, getting the underlying problem addressed before right. you consider the sleep medicine. Addressing the sleep behaviors before we do the sleep medicine. Yeah. Well, now your number of patients who get medicine are rather dramatically reduced. Mm-hmm. But also, just like tilling the field, right. you've tilled the ground. Right. And the brain and the body are now ready right. for the medicine to be used in the way it was designed. Gotcha. And so... That would that really improves the success of the medication, mm-hmm. but it's part of a total sleep program. Right. And so in that way, 
um, then the patient's ready for it. And if they need it because they do have primary underlying insomnia, mm -hmm. it's okay. Mm -hmm. But by the time mm -hmm. you get to this point, you've now gotten the right group of patients who do need the medication. Right. And then if it's effective, the minimum dose for effectiveness right. is more is able to be you're able to use that. Mm -hmm. And then if they need the medicine because they have that biology, mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. We we there's to some degree it's stripping away the guilt right. associated mm -hmm. with insomnia. Guilt. Yeah. Guilt, guilt's rampant, yeah. right? It's by far. So yeah. I tell patients I'm an anti-guilt guy. Okay. Right? Because the same like obstructive sleep apnea, just because someone has it, it's not their fault. Right. Right. Insomnia frequently is biologic mm -hmm. once we get through all these things we've already talked about, right? right? So there's, there's that element of getting people in a place where they, their biology can be normal. Yeah. Then we can uncover their true biology. I mean, you just say it over and over again that, that we have to deal with stuff well before. Sleep is the tail end. You know, it's like the end of the day. But we have to do lots of stuff that we need to do in advance before we get to the point where we're stuck. You know, a lot of us, because we have 15 minutes with the patient, I'll put them on sleep and hopefully it'll help their pain. Hopefully it'll help mm -hmm. their depression. Hopefully, you know, so that I'm trying to get, to, you know, one, one uh, you know, uh, killing uh, three birds with one stone type stuff. And it's uh, difficult. So, yeah. So we, one uh, we had a talk I gave for years called It's the Common Final Pathway. Yeah, it is. And if you look at sleep, every disease state, when it had, becomes chronic, yes. has a sleep disruption Just component, part, part whether it's it. heart Absolutely. failure, yeah. chronic obstructive yeah. lung disease, yeah. GI. And so, Psychiatric disorders. So yeah, yeah. But, you, but if you just treat the sleep piece, right. you, you're not going to fix it's everything, only, yeah, right? Sure. But yeah. it has to be part of the plan, right? right? And, and you said this very early on, which is smart and always interesting to me, it can be a very interesting diagnostic. For instance, when someone would have an um, severe, an asthma exacerbation, right? right? Yes, yes. My, my trick in the morning when I'd see them in the, in the hospital was not to ask them about their asthma, but to ask them how they slept that night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when they slept all night, you knew you were winning, yeah. right? Their right. asthma yeah. was quieting right. down because yeah. they weren't getting up at night right. to breathe, it's right? right? Same, same with COPD. So yeah. heart failure, same way. Exactly, but right. it's getting people to have that um, biological insight right. to see that as valuable because our colleagues are so busy. Yep. They're so smart and well-trained, but they're so busy that these kind of little things are difficult well, to incorporate. Right. It is, and it, it makes it. Unfortunately, it, it parlays into so many different things, and we're chasing. We're chasing. I mean, what you hear me saying is, I'm chasing my tail a lot, and mm -hmm. it's because I'm not starting at the beginning, like the song says. So I think that actually that dovetails beautifully into my next question, which is, um, you know, many many of our our young patients, especially we're going to talk about energy drinks here. Yeah. So many of our young patients that we're seeing come to us dealing with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, um, that's also affecting their sleep. They are heavily reliant on caffeinated beverages and nicotine as well mm -hmm. to, give, to get them through their days, school, work, whatever it is. Um, what, what do you think this is attributed to? How can we convince people to sort of give up on that crutch which a lot a lot of these patients can feel like this is the only thing that's helping me function yeah. if i give this up i like mm -hmm. what else do i have left mm -hmm. can give give us some hope with that help us out but it's difficult and my approach probably isn't a purist approach mm. which is that but let's not let perfection get in the way of perfection. Right. sure right. yes so, perfection's yeah. the enemy of good enough <laughs> yeah. right yeah. yeah so if we have a conversation about what it might look like if you worked at 
if you just made some effort, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be perfect. At better sleep, choosing sleep is a better habit. Yeah. And then let's have a goal for diminishing the amount of caffeine dependency you have. Sure. At the end of the day, all those things are just caffeine delivery systems. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Right. And yeah. so right. let's choose some. You can take them. Mm-hmm. But let's only use this many doses of caffeine, say, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or what's the reason? Are you using caffeine because you're working nights? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we do need to understand mm-hmm. their right. lives, the context, right? Yeah, right. And I actually yeah. find it fascinating. That, yeah. to me, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Part of what we do mm-hmm. is understanding where people are coming at in their life. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. if you work nights... And I think the other part, the anti-guilt thing, mm-hmm. yeah. um, there's a real interesting book called The God of the Mundane, is to, it. mm-hmm. yeah, it's to sort of acknowledge each other as fellow citizens of this, our community, fellow human beings, and acknowledge that people that are working really hard to get through life are heroic, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You don't, yes, you don't just have to throw a football or right. hit a baseball to be a hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody who is a young parent and they're working three jobs to put food on the table. And I mean, they're heroes to me. And so acknowledging that to them and saying, Hey, look, we're with you. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's work together. You're not relying on these things because you are weak. Mm -hmm. And exactly. And so (laughs) let's let's have a goal, right? But to do it in in a space that's not guilt driven, but is positive. I think that can help folks a lot. We do see it help folks. Plus, how many people need the ability to not feel guilty? Yep. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and you, there's been a lot of tears shed in our office when we oh tell God, people yeah. that right. and they like right. break right. down. And yeah. yeah, the tension you, is so, yeah, they're, so they're, built they're up. carrying this burden with yeah. them. And if you relieve that burden, I mean, we are called to practice medicine. And that means ministering to people where they are. Yeah. Sure. You know, right. and it isn't all about giving them just antibiotics. Your, your Catholicism <laughs> your Catholicism is coming through. Coming through. No, Good job. It's important. I'm right? Sure. You right. have to say, well, that's what St. Paul says, right? right? You meet people where they are. It is. Mm-hmm. And in healthcare, I think the more we can do that, and, and God knows I'm not perfect, but the more we try to do that, the better people tend to do. Absolutely. And they respond to it. Yeah. Shame yeah, is, is a terrible motivator. Yeah. It, it does not produce long-lasting results. It does Zero. not empower people to feel like they have any agency or control over themselves. Right. I love that approach. One of my dear mentor friends, we have a theory called it's it's – We'll call it the bag of stuff. And everybody carries their bag of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But healthy people, they empty the bag every day. Yeah. Mm. Right? And the people, right. like, for instance, that you're caring for, mm-hmm. you're caring for, they frequently can't, no one's helped them yeah. empty right. it. Right. right? And right. until you get rid of that stuff, mm-hmm. it's it, and it really comes out with sleep yeah. because yeah. what happens at night, everything's worse, right? right? We say everything right. gets worse at night. Yeah. It's just yeah, like, it is. And so if you can get that stuff off the table, this speaks again to the worry journal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had one fellow who came in for sleep and we were interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Very interesting gentleman, late middle age. Mm-hmm. And he'd been talking to our PhD, who's a very lovely guy mm-hmm. for probably 45 minutes to an hour. And we walked in and we start shooting the breeze a little bit. And, you know, sometimes just clinically you're going, okay, I just kind of went for it. Mm-hmm. said, there's what, when did this all start? Anyway, he just exploded and had his cathartic episode where he described how as a young child, a young person, he'd been beaten with a two by four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wow. I don't even know that he really mm-hmm. realized he was, mm-hmm. but his, his yeah. wife was just there with, she, I think, had some knowledge of it, yeah. but mm-hmm. that the, well, that was it. Yeah. Once that Absolutely. all kind of got out, and then we said, like, okay, 
we're not there. We don't hold ourselves out as therapists. We're not therapists. Mm-hmm. Neither when we, we. Un- when those things are uncovered, we help people get where they need to go. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the point is, it got the, the conversation started. Right. So right. anyway, that's part I think of what we. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm still a silly guy. I think Dr. Tadros is too. Very, I still have the same one degree of wonder and excitement of being mm-hmm. a doctor that I ever had when I was. You are very, you're very bright eyed. People should meet you. You're very bright eyed. <laughs> as you talk, your eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> but I think I love that it we're, it's a privilege it's, to do this. It is. You know, it, it is a privilege. You're exactly right. And one what, of a our, bl- what a blessing. You're, you're absolutely correct. And one of, our, one of my dear colleagues who's not a primary care physician, but just a little older than we are, but we are out, and he has said something so smart. He goes, you know, I guess I still believe that when that our city and our country made an investment in us to be physicians, mm-hmm. and I have a moral obligation to practice as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't want to go, you know, but right. but right. you know, to to provide the service because they gave me so much in investing in mm-hmm. my education right. that this is this isn't just a a benign transaction; it's right. a moral transaction. Right. I'm like. That is really deep. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a beautiful doctor. Yeah. But I mean, it just, I was like, that is heavy duty mm-hmm. discussion. It's the, it's the antithesis of burnout, of how people feel in burnout, yeah. that it's, they that they give, 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 and they don't feel anything in return. And uh, mm-hmm. and they, that's burnout. So that's how you, not to burn out, obviously. This yeah. is exactly right. I think um, that's probably as much as we have time for today. But it's been... So wonderful and lovely to talk to you, Dr. Well, Otile. My privilege. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, we could keep mm-hmm. continuing this conversation and for we will. forever. I'm, gonna, and we I'm, will. I'm, yeah, I'm arm twisting. He knows already. Yeah. I'm, I'm, twist, I'd be I'm happy to do this. I'm yeah. arm twisting sometime in the future to talk about this uh, and uh, and any other topic that you you enjoy talking about right. that uh, that you want to get off your yeah. It will be your journal. We'll be your, we'll be your, your, <laughs> your, your yeah, thoughts, we'll thoughts be of the day. Journal, well, it's like it's like all about bringing our community better health. I, mean, yeah. I realize that your podcast has a, a reach bigger than our community, but sure. um, these are problems that people have all over our country. Yep. Absolutely. Right? It's universal. Absolutely. And that's totally, you know, the, the purpose of this show in general is just to bring light to some of these issues and ultimately bring hope to patients. Mm-hmm. And there's, there are very caring doctors like you and like Dr. Tadros, you know, working on these things and that there are resources mm-hmm. and people can take charge mm-hmm. and ownership of having a, a quality of mm-hmm. life that gives life. Yeah. And allows us to share it forward, just like we you're talking about. We want patients to be curious and inquisitive about mm-hmm. their own health and uh, just about the medical uh, system and anything else yeah. that they're interested. Yeah. It's like hopefully we are. We're still hopefully inquisitive and yeah. and curious. Well, I'm hopeful because I think there's the young doctors are smarter than ever. Yeah, young people are smarter yes. than ever, mm-hmm. um, and we have an obligation to give them the the ability to be joyful and caring for yes. patients. Yeah. You know, the, Big deal. we sometimes tell our office staff, cause you know, it's hard to be office staff yeah. in mm-hmm. a doctor's uh-huh. office. Frontline. I go, look, you know, one, the patients aren't the enemy. Mm-hmm. And two, our, our, our main mantra is yeah. you have to love them all. Absolutely. You don't have to like them. <laughs> right. Because it's just like sometimes right. like even people children, that you children. love, yeah, yeah like you children. get a little irritated, but you still love them. Yeah, right? So our patients, it's a are, labor of love. Yes, completely. It's, yeah. But it, sometimes it's, we're not perfect. It's yeah. it's more difficult than others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're called to test. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Seth. Um, guys, it's Thank been you, another Thank great you. episode of the Not Your Doc right. podcast. If you have any feedback or questions for us, of course, you can reach out to us um, on our website at notyourdoc.com. 
Um, that's going to be forthcoming, and we will see y'all next time. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. This previous podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have.